Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Jupiter Farms Residence Podcast. This is Matt Gitkin. I'm the Jupiter Farms Residence President this year, and this is the first full episode of the Jupiter Farms Residence Podcast. Let's hear it. Yay! Wow, that was pretty lame. Um, anyway, I'm sitting here with uh, some other members of our board. Why don't you introduce yourself? I am Jillian. I am the Jupiter Farms Residence Vice President. Kristen Atwood, your Jupiter Farms Residence Treasurer. And we're very lucky today because we have with us a special guest. Susan Kennedy is here. And Susan Kennedy is president of the Jupiter Farms Environmental Council. She is also, how long have you lived here, Susan? Our family moved in in the 70s. You are kind of one of the keepers of Jupiter Farms history. We're going to talk about Jupiter Farms history, Jupiter Farms residence Absolutely. history, and how we kind of fit into this county that we sometimes feel like we're the redheaded stepchild of. Anyway, welcome to the podcast. As I said, this is our first full episode. We're glad that you're here. We're glad that you found us. Hit subscribe, tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell anybody who you think might care. We're going to be going into some greater information that you can probably get from either a Facebook post or a quick blurb in the Jupiter Farmer or a quick blurb in the Jupiter Farms Residence newsletter. So hopefully we'll be able to keep you informed, keep you up to date, and give you a little bit of Jupiter Farms residents' past and Jupiter Farms' past. Susan, I want to throw it to you just to give us a little bit of the history of Jupiter Farms and Jupiter Farms residents and how they kind of go together. Well, Jupiter Farms wasn't originally Jupiter Farms. It was originally designated as an area called Italian Farms, and that's how the original plats were when the Palm Beach County originally created this little area. We're talking about what time frame-ish? 1920s, okay. early 1900s. The original plats were all hand-drawn, of course, and you know recorded with little notes on the side of it. There are people that know far more about that original history, but it really became an area in 1925 when we got our own special water control district, which oversaw all of the drainage for the area. Prior to that, the land we're sitting in right now was a floodplain for the Loxahatchee River. Um, and it was part of the headwaters that went into the channel of the Loxahatchee River. So sometime in the 1920s, Sir Wicket was created. Sir Wicket, it stands for the South Indian River Water Control District, which is a very long name for the water control district that is not just for Jupiter Farms, but for Jupiter Farms, Jupiter Park of Commerce, for Palm Beach Country Estates, and for Egret's Landing. So, so it's part of us. They started draining the land, started planting for it farming. out. And selling, for and farming. And the whole area was a big farming center. There was a wood plantation. There was a Reese Ranch Groves, which is actually where Riverbend Park is right now, as well as a couple of other grove areas were here. We're the in, original Indian River Fruit, um, oh, wow. which is where Indian River Fruit got its name. Wow. All yeah. things trivia. I know. All things trivia. <laughs> we used to have a railroad that came in here to get some of the timber. That's where the name Randolph Siding comes from, right. our Randolph Siding road was an actual siding. So then we jump to, let's say, the 1960s. 19, 1960s. Actually, the late 50s. Is 1958 is when Pratt Whitney Aircraft came into the area, United Technology. Well, it was actually before UT took over, but Pratt Whitney Aircraft found their location out on the Beeline Highway. At this that time, this area was all just farms and large acre ranches. But as Pratt Whitney built out, Jupiter Farms became a bedroom community for that 
area because it's an easy driving distance to get So is to that crack. when the smaller, like one and two acre lots started well, that getting was the smaller, like five acre lots? Okay. <laughs> you okay. Know, rather than the 40. Right. The roads that were originally here Jupiter Farms Road, Haney Lane, Alexander Roan. Those roads were there in the late 60s and early 70s. Indian Town Road was just a little skinny mini, barely paved two-lane road at the time. So now I want to jump to, you became very active in helping to preserve a lot of the lands. I mean, you're not the only one. This was not a one-woman show, but you were there. I mean, one of the things that when I moved to this area, I was struck with the, the fact that to our north, to our south, to our east, to our west, we're, we have all of this wonderful protected land, and we're so fortunate. One of the things that I keep saying to everybody is, that's great, and JFR keeps fighting for those protected lands because protected lands are only going to be protected as long as somebody says that they're protected, and those protections can go away quickly. But what was it like fighting for those lands? It was an interesting time, to say the least. Growing up, I can remember driving out towards Okeechobee with my mom and saying, look at all this beautiful land. And she would say, oh, yeah, it's all going to be developed. That was late 70s, maybe early 80s. And remember, at that time, people were not as concerned with the rampant development. Well, at that time, 95 didn't even come up to to Jupiter. We only had the... At that time, Military Trail didn't even come all the way through. Wow. It was a different mindset, and people didn't mind development because it meant money for the tax coffers. But at this, and it meant a corner store. At this, at, <laughs> and a corner store. It at, wasn't. It wasn't PGA time, or. There was or, a growing concern with the pattern of development that people saw in Miami Dade and Broward County, hmm. which was strip mall after strip mall, golf course after golf course, and housing development further and further west more and more traffic congestion, and then pushing right up to the edge of the Everglades. Right. We were fortunate at that time to have a group of people, um, and I'm thinking in the early 80s, to have a group of people who saw our precious resources and moved in ways to protect them. That was the time period when, you mentioned I-95, that was the time period when I-95 planners we're thinking about the route to connect I-95 from PGA Boulevard north to Fort Pierce. Right. And I know that one of those plans had I-95 coming and bisecting Jupiter Farms Road. It, it would have been, been that right been the, at the corner the of Indian Town and Jupiter Farms Road. Correct. Yeah. That was one of the pathways. And it also went through Jonathan Dickinson State Park. And that was the key, right? Because once you start touching a state park, then you start riling some folks up. So there were people around here who knew the history of the Loxahatchee River, who knew about the battles and the historic value of the Loxahatchee River with regards to the Seminole Wars. And at this time, the Loxahatchee River had not been yet designated as a wild and scenic river. But that's how we got it done. Ah. See, when you designate a wild and scenic river through the federal government, what happens next is that anything that the federal government funds that affects that river has to have an environmental impact statement. And it was only because we had support in our Florida legislature and a governor 
Governor Graham at the time, who um, really made all of this happen. Right. But it was also the time in the country. Remember, the EPA only got created in 1970. It was a time in the country when people were concerned about pollution mm-hmm. and the our, our growing impacts on the environment. So it was the right timing. First, we got the lands around the river preserved. The second thing that happened was the county purchased Riverbend Trailer Park. It was designed to be a a large mobile home park. It even had its own sewer plant and own water plant there. It was a great place to grow up and go out, picking oranges and drive your mom's station wagon around the old orange groves. But the county purchased that. And at the time, they thought they might make it into an RV park, much like John Prince Park has the big Mm -hmm. RV park. I was at school at Florida State at the time and came down for a couple of the hearings to actually get a historic designation on that on that property. So that was the first part of it. At the same time, I-95 was coming through, so they had finished that planning and they were starting right. to open that up. This was in the late 80s. And at the same time, there was a development proposed – to build a shopping center on the corner of Jupiter Farms Road dun, in Indian Town Road. The shopping center. So you have these three things all coming together at the same time. And what that did was galvanize the community to say, wait a minute, we want to say in what happens in our community because we think we know best. Well, let me let me stop you here because yeah. you're saying we, meaning the community. We How galvanized the community. was the community? I mean, you, you know, whenever an issue comes up, there's always, you know, your opinion, my opinion, and right. the, the truth lies somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. How galvanized was the community? Because I would imagine it, it would have to have been pretty unanimous in order to fight development well, like there's, that. Well, there's two things to remember. This was 1988, 89. Mm-hmm. The people who opposed this and started the organization included a group of retired people, working people, lawyers, and several realtors that lived in Jupiter Farms. Wow. Because what it was is a threat to the quality of life that we have here. So the the biggest issue that we had was communication. Wow. And we didn't have an organization other than our water control district. And that's a conversation for a different day. But there's (laughs) always there have always been issues with that water control district in their representation of our community. We didn't have social media. Right. Right. We didn't even have email. Right. You guys faxed each other. Like there were no faxes out in (laughs) Jupiter Farms. We're talking about the country. Teletype. Basically, basically people met at the at the feed store, you know, right. and, and talked over the fences. It really was a very country area. And we did not have, you know, I think there's like 4,000 home sites out here in the Jupiter yeah, Farms area. Yeah, I think it's areas. like over 4,500 now. But. Back then we had about 2,000 of them filled. Wow. So we're about half the population. There was a lot more empty space in between houses. But it was at that time when our community said, we need to represent ourselves. So that's when the Jupiter Farmer, right, which was a newsletter at the time, was created. And you asked about, well, what is the basically the intensity of the opposition? Yeah. When we look at our shopping center now, you have to imagine it is twice the size that it would have three been. times the size. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. actually mitigated to a third of the size when it, I looked at it. Right. I forget which one they had compared it to in the, the original plan. Yeah. People who move here, especially who've moved here within the last decade or so, 
they understand that it's very different than PGA or yes. North Lake. Yes. But it's almost like that that's a constant battle. Yes. Because we're we're the only places that they can start eyeing up. Right. And we're not protected by our own city or municipality. We're kind of under the thumb no, of the and county. So what we did, and this was starting into the early 1990s, mm-hmm. what we did was take advantage of one of the, the items that's in the county code, which is to create a neighborhood plan. So we're not a municipality. We're not incorporated or protected by a, an HOA or a POA at all. Right. But we do have a neighborhood plan, and we were actually the first neighborhood in the county to fully complete a neighborhood plan. And that document has held up so well yes. over the last number of decades. I can't imagine it was easy to come up with It at was all. not. It was contentious, and it was it was a very stressful process for the people. And it was some of our pioneers that really helped Janet Royals, who's passed away now, but was a realtor and was really instrumental in that whole battle. So those things were happening at the same time. So while the land use plan was happening, I-95 was coming through. I mean, they were physically building the thing. And then this development was happening. So the community came together, created a newsletter and a little organization. To that was Ju- to Jupiter Farms ru- or Jupiter Rural Residents? Jupiter Residence? Rural yes. Residence was the original organization. And they galvanized around this whole concept that morphed into or, or grew into Jupiter Farms Residents a couple of years later once they got their feet underneath them and figured out the growing mission of Jupiter Farms Residence. Right. And that's, you know, that's interesting because, you know, people... There, there's a, a public perception of what Jupiter Farms residence is, and it's having our meetings and speakers, and it's having our community events and fundraisers for scholarships. Mm-hmm. But there's that other side where uh, that people don't necessarily see, right, um, or sometimes even hear, either even hear about it. It's it's us going to these commission meetings and and just being aware of the papers that are being passed back and forth between whether it's a developer and, and the county, but understanding what's going on and the impact that it's going to have. And I think in in the world we live in today, people people have this, well, if you're not for it, that means you're against it attitude. And they don't understand that there are happy mediums. And I think the biggest example was last year with the quote unquote fight against the surf park. Jupiter Farms residence was never against building a surf park. But we wanted to point out, you're not thinking about A, B, C, D. We're worried about Pine Glades, which is a natural area that our county county. has spent $16 million Mm -hmm. redoing. We're worried about that. It's not that we wanted to get the surf park stopped, but we wanted to get damage that it could create mitigated. Right. And well, like drawing 13 million gallons of water and 88,000 gallons out of our a aquifer, day yes. out of our drinking water. Right. So, right. Th- little, little things little like things. that. Well, yeah. and the biggest project that I got involved on was another, well, it's in the Park of Commerce now, and you mentioned Surf Park. It's actually the same land. The 70 acres of right. Surf Park Speedway. was Speed World. Yeah, Speed World. Um, and it was 70 acres and 98, I think 90 acres. And it was going to be an outdoor amusement park with a short track, with a motocross track, with a pond for... Um, so how did you beat them? The code. I was a brand new, fresh out of law school lawyer, and I knew how to read the county code. So I just made friends with the county staff and said, well, what about this? And what about that? And what about this? And um, turns out that 
they actually needed a bit more room on their um, buffers on the north and south side just because that's what the county code said. And they would not have room for their development if they were actually complying with the county code, which means they would have to go in for a variance, which is much more difficult to do. So they ended up pulling out. That same year, 1999, is when we got Hungryland purchased. That's including part of the Pine Glades area. So Hungryland was uh, 16,000 acres of land on the corner of Pratt Whitney and Indian Town Road. And that was purchased with the state of Florida, Florida Forever money. And those lands are important for a number of reasons. I yeah. mean, for, first, you know, conservation, great, yay. But that, if, we're, if it were to be developed, the water would have to go somewhere. Right. And that would usually mean into awesome. our basin because well, we're a nice little bowl. things to remember. The zoning on that property at that time was on the corner, on the southeast corner, was industrial. Wow. On the southwest corner was industrial. And on the north side of the corner on east and west was all one unit per 10 acres. So it was a huge save, not just in terms of conserving natural lands, but as you said, that water, that land actually now serves as a water reservoir for our wells as well as the Loxahatchee River. And the development itself would have been entirely inappropriate because right. it's so far west. It's as we and know. I think that's what you can really. That's my take home every time I travel on, say, North Lake or PGA. It's it's there are so many things that, like you would say, are inappropriate. You go from some development to something that's just absolutely adverse. You know, converse to that, and and it's like. Okay, who thought about this? Right. And, and the answer is obviously no one. Right. No, uh, one, no one was planning on these things. And because JFR, as you said, does all of these other things, including the community events and the fundraisers, we really needed an advocacy arm as well. So um, JFEC we created to fight just the environmental and fights. And But in 2002, we had the fight for the north side of Indian Town Road. Um, and that was twenty five Father Leo. Father Leo, twenty five hundred acres that they wanted to make into a school golf course. A, no, now it was a school for troubled children with a golf course. With a golf, with a golf course. course. How does that work? And villas. <laughs> and villas for the priests. Oh, vacation villas. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know that I should even. I know go there's there. so many things. <laughs> Just, I know. You're gonna slow pitch him in. I'm gonna swing at him, but. Um, <laughs> And so how did you beat him? We rallied the community, and we had huge support. We even had actual public rallies. Like literally pitchforks and torches? Almost. We we got a lot of support from everyone in the area, including folks in Ranch Colony. And the property owner before the RV park now, Janko Gardens, we had a big event there with, it had over 1,500 people come and sign a Do you think you'd beat him today? Because I would assume it was a religious organization. It is a religious organization. Um, and we know how the county handles religious organizations now. It's usually with kid gloves. And I don't know if we would be successful. It was actually a three to three vote. That was another truly galvanizing, and I think it really got a lot of people in. At those times, we were filling the cafeteria at the school with our community meetings because wow. it was such a big emotional thing. And I and I said to, I said at the time, and in 2000, I said, 10, 15 years and everything will be decided. Everything will either be purchased through our bonds programs or it's going to be development or in development. 
But are we protected? I think that we are protected as long as we're vigilant. And um, in JFEC, we have a saying that— Did you that say as long as we're village idiots? Vi- vigilant. Oh, vigilant. No, I said you village, village idiots. Pre- no, it's true. We must be village idiots to be doing this, right? That the land is our biggest lobbyist. People will fight to support something they love, but they have to know that they love it. So we have to get people out onto the lands to know what it is that they need to save. And that's the beauty— those lands in particular is something for everybody. People who like to bike, to hike, to horseback ride, to hunt, yep. to bird watch. Every I mean, there's to do yoga in nature, to whatever. Who wouldn't? There's right. nobody that wouldn't I, love that I land. Don't, I don't love doing that. Well, because you get mosquitoes. Yeah. but you know, you just don't like mosquitoes. Oh, she's right. So, Su- Susan, you're you're kind of like our living one of our living history books, and it's so important to know where we've been. So we can see where we are, so we know kind of where we're going. And where we're going is a big question mark because everything gets thrown at us last minute. And that's the thing that oftentimes gets me is our quality of life. People all moved to Jupiter Farms for a reason. And they may not be the same reasons, but you moved here for a reason. And and you know what you were buying into. So thank you for being here. And hopefully we'll have you back when we talk about water. Yeah. <laughs> or some other philosophical or some other, thing, yeah. right? Just to let everybody know that we have our Jupiter Farms residence meetings the second Tuesday of every month at 7 p.m. at the Jupiter Farms Park Pavilion. Uh, January's meeting on January 8th at 7 p.m. We're going to have our guest speaker, Maybree Conklin, coming back and giving the results from her, her water tests. Uh, she did some testing on well water out here and is going to be presenting those. We also have our, our Sponsor. Margo Youngman from Remax, and she will have a $50 Publix gift card as a raffle prize. So Very nice. come get that. We have Jupiter Farms free outdoor movie night. We're doing Smokey and the Bandit to honor our local hero, Burt Reynolds. That's going to be on January 19th at 7 p.m. at the Farms Marketplace on Jupiter Farms Road. February 9th, we have Jupiter Farms Residence second annual charity clay shoot. Which is um, super fun. Which is super fun. So Go to jupiterfarmsresidence.com, register for that. You can register to come just as a spectator. You can be a participant. Uh, we're limited to, or a sponsor, please. February residence meeting, February 12th at 7 p.m. Who's our speaker for that, we Jillian? We have from Waterfront, we're talking about homeowners insurance and how to save money on it and what you should be insured for. Right. And our sponsor is Kelly Rue from Waterfront, and she will have a $50 Use wherever you want gift card. Oh, like a Visa gift card? Like, that's maybe, like cash. Might be MasterCard. That's amazing. Residence meeting on March 12th. That's going to be a big one. We're going to have the um, representatives from the Solid Waste Authority come and tell us about oh, all of the that. wonderful changes that we're going to be having to our waste pickup. So I've seen a lot of people talking about this online. If you want to have a voice in it, come to the meeting March 12th, 7 p.m. at Jupiter Farms Park Pavilion. So uh, we'll be filling you in on more of these events as our podcasts grow every month. Well, we've come to the end of Jupiter Farms Residence' first official episode of our podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. We hope that we're going to get better and faster and funnier with this and give you more information. My name's Matt. Uh, I'm the Jupiter Farms president. I'm Jillian, Jupiter Farms vice president. Kristen, Jupiter Farms treasurer. And our special guest today was... Susan Kennedy, the knower of all things Jupiter Farms. That's it. Thank you all for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. If you like what you're listening to, you can hear us mumble about it every month. 
here on the Jupiter Forums Residence Podcast. So hit subscribe. We hope to see you and hear from you next month. So take care and we'll see you back here on the Jupiter Farms podcast next month. I subscribed. <laughs> I did too. <laughs> All right. So um, just to cap things off, I want to mention uh, what? What? Oh, so we're not capping. Th- you, can, you cap things off at the beginning and you can cap things off at the end. Yeah. Okay. Um <laughs>